This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. On this Wednesday night, Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. We're rolling until 10 o'clock tonight at 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Grosser, G-R-A-C-A. Yanks and Twins underway in the nightcap. No score in the first inning. The Bombers, of course, prevailing in game number one, 5-4 to four in extras. Mets. Shaping up to be a pretty good day in Pittsburgh. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. They got a 7-0 lead over the Buccos in the fourth inning. So how about that? I mean, Jacob DeGrom actually getting run support, which is odd. They win the opener today 5-1. Chris Bassett was locked in, and now DeGrom doesn't even have to really exert himself. You know, maybe do a little five, six innings and get out of Dodge and then turn things over to the pen. You got an off day tomorrow, and then you fly down to Miami and try to continue the winning ways over the weekend because you got to still keep up with the Braves. Braves won this afternoon, so Mets and Bravos currently tied for that top spot in the division, but you figure the Mets will take care of business here and at least uh, climb a half game up on Atlanta in that division. But we're talking Jets, talking the situation involving Zach Wilson. And caller right before the end of the last hour brought up the fact that, you know, what happens as far as this coaching staff is concerned and the front office and how they're going to approach the quarterback situation if they come up small and they underachieve again or if Zach Wilson doesn't have, you know, the season that they would want. What I think is going to happen, and you don't like to think in these terms because ultimately you want to get him back on the field, you want him to be successful, and you want him to go out there and fulfill a little bit of the promise that everybody saw in him by selecting him second overall in this draft. But they like the roster. They like the collection of players. And if what you think is maybe holding you back is the inexperienced young quarterback, why are you going to go down that road again? I don't care how quarterback-rich the draft is. What I think was going to happen if that ever presented itself, was they'd probably go out and try to bring in a veteran quarterback and have him compete with Zach Wilson next year and not just hand Zach Wilson the job. Because let's face it, last year he was kind of handed the job. This year he was handed the job. Next year there will be a different story because I think that they believe the club is good enough to win. And if they don't win enough games this year, then there might be a little bit more of an onus on everybody in that building that you got to win games. You know, nobody's on scholarship here. You got to win if you want to stay employed. And the coaches would know that. The front office would know that. And enough is enough. May the best guy be the quarterback. May the best guy win the job. But it's not going to be a situation where we're willing to turn over and punt the whole season away again because maybe the quarterback is not what we thought he was. Robert Sala, though, how to evaluate him as a head coach, I, I, I think it's still an incomplete. I do. He won four games last year. Nobody wants that to be the outcome again. But look at the roster he had last year. Everybody knew that they were rebuilding. Think about how much youth they were playing with last year, especially on defense, especially in that secondary. You know, Carl Lawson, who was their big free agent acquisition on defense, their number one pass rusher, he didn't play it down all season because he got injured in training camp. Let's see what this defense can do this year with a healthy Carl Lawson. New guys in that secondary. You got a potential big-time player at corner in Sauce Gardner. Jordan Whitehead, I think, is going to be a heck of a player. I'm still shocked, even all these months later, guys, that Jordan Whitehead left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I never thought Tampa Bay would let him out of the building. Guy was a Super Bowl winner down there. Tampa knew he was a good player, but you know what? Went to the Jets. Joe Douglas opened up the checkbook and made it happen. Jordan Whitehead, by the way, we'll hear from him on the pregame show coming up this Sunday 
I talked to him a couple of days ago, so very good interview. Jordan White had a cousin of Darrell Revis from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, for those that didn't know that. So now he's got the personnel. And let's see what this defense really could be with more capable bodies in there as opposed to what you saw last season. Remember last year, they were they took two kids that they drafted who were college safeties and they tried to convert them into linebackers, starting linebackers. And to say it didn't work out, well, one guy's no longer on the team. And they found Quincy Williams and they signed Quan Alexander. So now C.J. Mosley has a little bit more of an established type player when he looks on either side of him in that defense. Roy in Florida. He's up next. 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Roy? How are you? Hey, Dan. Enjoy your work tremendously. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Roy. First of all. Uh, okay, as a lifelong Jet fan, I'm really sick and tired and frustrated with them lying. Lying about Becton's injury last year. Lying about Becton's off-season workouts this year. And as of yesterday, saying Zach may be ready for week one. I mean, it's it's really frustrating me. Well, I don't know, What's Roy, I don't know if it's lying necessarily. You know, last year, what happened with Becton was this, okay? When he got hurt in that first game, the prognosis was if he goes ahead and has surgery, it'll be in the six- to eight-week range. They fully expected him back. Doctors expected him back. But here's the problem with Becton. Becton is a huge human being, and it's not the same as somebody else who, even if they're a football player, you know, weighs considerably less and is smaller in stature than Mekhi Becton to be able to rehab an injury. So a guy that big when he wasn't able to be on his feet for however many weeks it was, you know, he kind of let himself go a little bit. You know, he put on more weight. And so when the time came for him to rehab and everything, it was that much more difficult as opposed to you or I or anybody else trying to rehab that injury. That's what happened with Becton. The Zach Wilson thing yesterday, look, they knew that he wasn't going to be playing this week. And they tried to see if they can milk another 24 hours or so of gamesmanship and keep the Ravens guessing and maybe have them prepare for two quarterbacks instead of just one to make their life miserable. Do you think that it worked? I don't know. I don't think it means that big of a deal to the Ravens, but that's what they were trying to do with this quarterback thing. Yeah, but now, I mean, three more weeks? I mean, that's not one more week. It's a big difference. Oh, 100%. And that's why you knew, Roy, right, that when they said, oh, we'll find out, like when he was on with Don and Peter yesterday on the K show, and he said, oh, we'll find out tomorrow. We'll try to figure this thing out tomorrow about whether or not, you know, we'll, we'll get a definitive word. Well, isn't that funny how you went from waiting to find out about Sunday to now he's going to be out three weeks? Because they knew. They knew he was going to be out. You know, they were going to be super extra careful and cautious regarding when he was going to get back there in the lineup, as they should. Unfortunately, it just happened at the beginning of the season. Paul in Queens, he's up next, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Paul. Dan, how are you? You do a great job offsetting Greg Bottle. I've been listening to Greg Bottle for way a long time. So here's the thing. Dan, last time the Jets lost to the Ravens on opening day, they went to the AFC Championship game. I just want to throw that note out to you, if you remember that game. Wait, say again? I think, it was in, I think the last time the Jets lost to the Ravens on opening day, they went to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> that was in uh, that was well. It was the home opener that year in '98. It was week yeah the two. home opener. I meant yeah. sorry, the home opener. Yep. So good let's omen. Be realistic here. Yeah, let's be realistic here. You know, I've been a Jet fan since. I haven't 
missed a game since 1979. Here's the thing. Actually, you, you know, know what? I, let, let, oh, no, no, you, I'll tell you what. You're, yes. It happened twice. 98, and then in 2010. Remember the oh, first game right, in the new right, stadium? Right. It was a Monday night game against the Ravens, right. and the Ra- and the Jets that's went right. to the AFC Championship game that year too. So the last two, <laughs> the last two times, Paul. How about that? Exactly. Good omen. There but- you go. Now we got something here. We're going to the championship game. <laughs> Dan, I wanted to tell you. Let's be realistic here with number two. He comes in. He has no reps against another team he doesn't he's gonna walk in there and do what you know i think that this team is caught between a rock and a hard place because of a the fans are sick and tired of going to the stadium trekking all the way to jersey getting a little stupid little rally towel and expecting them to produce on the field i mean the problem is what are they going to do if they're stuck in the top five pick what are they going to do i mean if this quarterback does not produce and mind you, last year, all the other quarterbacks that won the LaFleur system, you know, were, were flourishing. You know, I forgot the name of that quarterback in the, in the, in the uh, what was it? I forgot the game last year when we were getting blown out and he came back in the second half. That was a backup. I mean, let's come to be realistic here. I mean, this is just vital year for this team. They have to produce because if not, you heard your previous caller. He made a good point. What a solid show. Yeah, he's a great rah, rah, rah guy. And I've been watching so many coaches from Joe Walton and on. You know what I mean? And I'm basically saying that, you know, football is a little bit different nowadays. People spend a lot of money. They want to see a product in the field. They take the whole day off to go see something. And they have to produce results quickly. If not, then they're going to lose a lot of fan base, Dan. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Paul, appreciate the phone call. Um Look, everything that you're saying, I mean, you're not entirely wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you are. You know, it's a bottom line business. You got to produce. I'll say this, though, okay? If you look at the quarterback position, like, what is more important? The quarterback going out there and playing really well or the team winning games? I think it would be the team winning games. You know, you can have a quarterback go out there and be like a fantasy football darling and, you know, put up all these flashy numbers and throw for all these yards, but, you know, you don't really win that much. I'll give you an example. Everybody's ready or anointing Justin Herbert as, you know, the next great thing on Mount Rushmore as far as quarterbacks are concerned. And he's really good, right? He's really good. But Justin Herbert has been in the league now for a couple of years, and he hasn't made the playoffs yet right Justin Herbert's team last year down the stretch the Chargers they didn't play good football last few weeks of the season in fact they went to Houston and lost to the crummy Texans so Justin Herbert could go out there and throw for all these yards and he's thrown for like more yards and more touchdown passes or whatever it is in the first two years of their career than any quarterback in NFL history now you take that with a grain of salt because once upon a time it was a lot more difficult to throw the football in the NFL compared to the way it is right now where the rules are completely lax for a defense. And, you know, if, if you breathe on a guy, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. Once upon a time, you can actually play defense. You know, you were a defender. You could put your hand on a wide receiver. You can actually hit the quarterback. That was a different world, though. But still doesn't mean you can have a winning team or you, you can't still have a good, solid football team if you're getting less than stellar play from the quarterback position. And look at the look at the New Orleans Saints last year, right? 
New Orleans Saints last year, they lost Jameis Winston early in the season. They had Trevor Simeon play a handful of games. They had Taysom Hill take significant amount of snaps at quarterback. You know, even Ian Book, the old Golden Domer, played some quarterback for them. So, so those names that I just gave you for New Orleans, none of them are what we would term upper echelon elite quarterbacks, right? But the Saints still won nine games last year. They had a winning season. You know why? Because the roster from top to bottom was pretty good. You know, Sean Payton, good coach. So if this roster is as improved as everybody in Florham Park would like you to believe that it is, who's to say this club still can't have a decent season? Even if they don't get, like, out-of-this-world quarterback play, whether that's from Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, or a combination of the two. Hope is not lost is essentially what I'm getting at. And there's a lot of other examples as well. Now, I know in a perfect world you'd like for that to happen. You know, San Francisco was so convinced that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't giving them enough at quarterback, and he took them to the freaking NFC Championship game. They decided to, you know, do everything they can to get rid of him this year. And so they realized that, you know, his surgery and a combination of other things, there weren't any takers, and now Jimmy's back. But they couldn't wait to turn over the operation to Trey Lance because they thought that you could do better at quarterback. We come Like, if you look at the Jets, and, and we got to get to a break, but I'll just throw this out there first. Like, last night we talked about these dire forecasts that so many people around the country have for the Jets this year. If you put an established quarterback on this team, like, for example, let's say Russell Wilson ended up with the Jets instead of the Broncos. What's the attitude like for this Jets team? Are you talking about being one of the two, three worst teams in the league? Or are you now looking at it and saying, boy, you have an established quarterback, a guy who's won before, a guy that you feel confident in, and look at the weapon. If Russell Wilson, for example, was the Jet quarterback, people would be falling over themselves at the possibilities of how good this team could be. Would be falling over themselves. They would be sitting there talking up the skilled players on offense and this and that and how this could be a top five offense in the league. Like, that changes everything. But it still doesn't mean you can't go out there and have a good season. 800-919-3776. We come back. I mentioned something on this show last week. And now somebody else is weighing in on exactly that same darn observation. Wouldn't you know it? Rich Semini will join us coming up at 8.30 to talk more Jets. Dan Grasso, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yeah, we're not done with Timmy Trumpet just yet. And here's the reason why. Dan Grosser Show, by the way, 98.7 ESPN. So remember last week when the Dodgers were in town to play the Mets? And I said that night because they had Timmy Trumpet in town and I just didn't like it. It's like the old, you know, the old saying, you're, you're, you're touching the money. You're putting the cart before the horse. You're tempting fate. And stuff like that can annoy the baseball gods. And what ended up happening? The night that Timmy was there, because remember, he was going to play the, the, that song, the Narco song, live when Edwin Diaz was going to come out of the bullpen into the game. Like, so you're going to have, like, a live performance. Well, you don't have to be a genius to figure out. If you're a baseball fan, you know that Edwin Diaz, nine times out of ten, he's coming into a game in a safe situation, right? Coming in in a safe situation. So by putting Timmy there, you're almost saying, oh, yeah, sure, the Mets are going to have a safe situation. Mets are going to have a lead late in the game. What they failed to acknowledge was the fact that you were playing the L.A. Dodgers, a team that was 50 games over 500, best team in baseball. And what ended up happening that first night? They didn't get a safe situation. And so no Edwin, no Timmy. And I guess Timmy had some availability in his schedule, so he was able to come back the next night and, you know, got to play the song and everything. But in case you need clarification, this is what I said last week. Take a listen. Because everybody loves Timmy. Timmy can't leave town without an opportunity to play the song and Edwin Diaz come trotting out of the bullpen. So now, Timmy, who had a free night again in his schedule this week, I guess he cleared his calendar, Timmy is back tonight to do the same thing if Edwin gets a save opportunity. I mean, what are they thinking? Are we not trying to win games here or what? Or is it all about a show? Like, this is stuff that, like, a losing team does. This is stuff that a team in, like, last place does. This, You know what this is? This reeks from, like, the previous regime with the Mets. The previous ownership. I sounded so much younger then. You know? God, I've aged. That was, what, like, eight days ago? I don't know. So, yeah, I know. I know. So, again, I, we, we, we gave it to you last week. Those are my thoughts then, and I still feel that same way today. I hope they don't pull this crap again later in the season. And if, you know, Timmy has some free time in October, if he decides to call up the Mets and say, Hi, mate, how you doing? Love to come by, check out some playoff baseball. What you think? Bring me trumpet, play the song. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. We're not screwing around in the playoffs. We're not. Or the World Series, if we're fortunate enough to get that far. No more Timmy Trumpet. All right, Timmy wants to get in. Send Timmy over to the National Tennis Center. He can practice his trumpet there. He ain't coming into City Field. So anyway, SNY, which is, of course, the home of the Mets, they tweeted out that 
This was earlier today. The Braves defeated the Athletics late last night in Oakland. Today, for the first time since April 11th, the Mets do not have sole possession of first place in the NL East. So it got a lot of replies. And among the replies that they got were none other than from Jerry Seinfeld on Twitter, Jerry's official account. And Jerry replied with the following. I blame that stupid trumpet performance. Celebrating in season. We haven't won anything yet. Bad mojo. Is that not exactly what I was insinuating last week? I tried to warn everybody. You know? I sat here and I laid it out perfectly. I'm trying to explain it. And what has happened since? Well, at least today things seem to be back on track, but still. And I know that they won the series against the Dodgers, but it's, it, it just sets a bad vibe. You're the Mets, okay? You don't have the Yankees' history. You haven't won anything. You've been garbage for how many years? At times, you've been the laughing stock of baseball in sports. Conan O'Brien got more material out of the Mets and out of Mr. Met than maybe any other popular culture subject in the history of his late-night show, which went for two, three decades. Because the Mets are like the gift that keeps on giving. And Jerry went on. Same as when the Baja men showed up to play Who Let the Dogs Out in the 2000 World Series. Series ended right there. Harvey, do we have Who Let the Dogs Out somewhere in the system for those that aren't familiar with that musical composition? Right? So Jerry's on to something. I'm on to something. You never touch the money. You don't bask in the success until you've reached it yet. But what Jerry was talking about with the Baja men, you remember the 2000 season where they went to the World Series and they lost to, there we go, pump it. For some odd reason, I have no idea why. Let this play. This is, yeah, it's like taking me back. In 2000, this was like the Mets rallying cry. So, like, they would win games, and then as soon as the game would end, it's at Shea Stadium, they would just blast the hell out of who let the dogs out. Okay, whatever. You know, the fans got behind it. I remember when they won the pennant. They're out there jumping on the pitcher's mound against the Cardinals, and who let the dogs out is blaring. I remember in those days at Shea Stadium, they had about like 19,000 speakers that they had set up in the outfield. So, I mean, it sounded like as loud as anything on planet Earth. And then the Mets get to the World Series that year against the Yankees, which I don't think I have to tell you how that one ended. But before one of the games at Shea Stadium, I can't remember if it was, maybe you guys could find, I don't know if it was before game three or game four or game five, the Baja men performed who let the dogs out on the field before the game. And the Mets lost the World Series in five. Now, the Mets, the only game they won in that World Series, though, was game three at Shea Stadium. So I don't know if that was the Baja men game or did the Mets win game three, Baja men show up the next night for game four, and on the first pitch of game four, Derek Jeter greets Bobby Jones with a leadoff home run, and basically the game was over from there. I don't blame the Baja men as much. Like, I see what Jerry's trying to do. Like, I don't blame the Baja men for the fact that the Yankees, you know, or beat the Mets. The Yankees were the better team. Yankees were a dynasty. You know, that was four out of five years. They were the champions of baseball. Mets were a good team, fun team, nice team, but shoot, 
I mean, we're telling it like it is. You know, I'm a Met fan. That Met team only made it to the to the World Series in 2000 because the St. Louis Cardinals did them a favor. And that was called eliminating the Atlanta Braves in the division series in the National League playoffs that year. Because if the Mets had to play the Braves in the NLCS, guess who wouldn't have gone to the World Series? The Mets. Atlanta had the Mets number. Didn't matter what year, what time, what month, whatever. So, you know, they got a little bit of a break. But I'm not going to point the finger at the Baja men. Timmy Trump, it's a different story. This Mets team still got work to do. You know, if the Mets had won, you know, 28 world championships or if they were in the middle of, you know, making the playoffs for four straight years or something like that, you'd say, okay, it doesn't matter what they're going to do. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Make sure you win this division first. And once again, it's the Atlanta Braves nipping at their heels. All right, when we come back, a little bit more on the Zach Wilson and the Jets situation. Rich Samini does an outstanding job covering them, of course, for ESPN. Dan Grossett till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Football in the air. Football Eve. Season gets underway tomorrow night. Buffalo and L.A. Jets will get this thing going right here on 98.7. Coming up on Sunday against the Ravens. The guy who will be there will be here all season long. Outstanding job covering this team, of course, for ESPN. It's our good pal, Rich Samini. Rich, thanks for hopping on. How are you tonight? Oh, doing great, Dan. Anything happened today with the Jets? No, no, nothing at all. Just, you know, thought we'd maybe, you know, just just shoot the breeze. Nothing really in particular happening. Um, All kidding aside, did you expect minimum three games when Robert Sala dropped out on everybody this morning? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, all along I thought it would be one or two games. I mean, I think that was, you know, basically this, the tenor of the injury all summer from talking to people around the organization and just observing. I, I thought it would be one to two. I never thought there was a chance, even when Sala said on Monday that there was a chance. I never thought there was a chance he was playing on Sunday against Baltimore. Now when he comes out and says minimum three games, uh, yeah. That part surprised me a little bit. Also, the fact that he said it now. I thought he would take it week to week because of, you know, the obvious, you know, gamesmanship and so forth. So so two surprises. One, that it's at least three games, and two, that he basically admitted all in, all at one time. What do you think this is? You know, you and I were talking about this the other day, but, like, what do you think realistically – now that we know it's going to be probably, you know, not until October that Zach Wilson steps out on that field again, what type of a setback do you think this is for him just in terms of his development as a quarterback now entering year number two? Oh, it's big. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not as bad as it could have been. I mean, as, as Wilson pointed out today when we were talking to him, I mean, it could, you know, it could have been an ACL and then, you know, then that's a real big setback. But, you know, he's already missed 14 practices and two preseason games. 
it'll be, uh, you know, he, he might start doing some light practice next week. You know, nothing this week. You know, actually, he's not even running yet. He's just starting to get into the running phase of his rehab. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's missing a lot of time. I mean, he's such a young quarterback. You know, if it happens to an older guy, you could say, well, you know, they could pick up pretty quickly. But, you know, everything for him is a learning experience. Like every day almost is a new learning experience. And when you're missing those days, no matter how much time you sit in the classroom paying attention, it's not the same as being on the field. How do you think, I mean, to a man? Now, you know, the locker rooms are open. I don't know if you've had a chance to, you know, talk to some guys off the record perhaps. To a man in that locker room, you think that they're just as confident, if not more, that Joe Flacco is going to be the guy leading them into the season as opposed to Zach Wilson? Uh, well, I, I definitely get the sense that there's a lot of confidence in, in Flacco, just from talking to players. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys were probably playing him in Madden, you know, when he won the Super Bowl in, after the 2012 season. You know, he <laughs> might have been their quarterback on their video game. But, you know, so I think they respect that part of it. They respect the resume. They respect the arm because I think any spectator who came out to training camp this summer could see that Joe can still throw the ball. Um, but they haven't been in a real live game situation with him yet. And we all know what Joe's done the last few years. He has not been a winning quarterback. He's lost seven straight starts and he's lost 14 out of 16. And so, you know, there's some concern there about whether he can lift your team to victory. Rich Zamini, ESPN, talking Jets with us here on 98.7 ESPN. As far as leading a team to victory and Joe at what he can do, I mean, we saw him last year. He started the game against the Dolphins at home. Didn't play poorly, but it didn't result in a victory. Does the organization feel, Rich, at least that, okay, they've upgraded the talent around the quarterback this year, that they feel just as confident that, Flacco's going to be able to execute this offense as capably as, let's say, a Zach Wilson would be, given Flacco's experience, maybe? Uh, you know, I wouldn't go that far. I, you know, Zach Wilson's the starter for a reason, and I think what Zach gives them and what they're going to miss greatly on for the next three Sundays is just his ability to extend plays and move outside the pocket and, and do that off-schedule stuff. Um, so they're, going to, they're not going to have that component in their offense. And, you know, so when I kind of laugh a little when Robert Sala, and I guess it's coach speak, maybe he has to say, it. you know, he says, well, the offense doesn't change, you know, no matter who's that quarterback. Well, it's two totally different quarterbacks. You know, Flacco is just a classic drop back passer. He's basically a statue in the pocket. And if he has to move, that could lead to bad decisions. You saw it in the preseason game against the Giants. Yeah. Where he was on the move. He was flushed from the pocket and he threw a horrible interception. So, you know, if you can protect them and you can give them a running game, you know, you can win games with Joe Flacco, but it, they're going to miss that dimension of mobility, which is huge. Hopefully he got that one out of his system in that preseason game against the Giants <laughs> there. Um, you know, the other component of this, too, is you're talking about Joe Flacco, who, as you said, is not anywhere near as mobile as Zach Wilson is. And you're also talking about an offensive line that really has not had a lot of reps together, given the new faces and the position changes, certainly in this exhibition. How do you think that whole development is going to play itself out, given now you have the backup quarterback in playing behind an offensive line that is still kind of lacking in the whole continuity aspect of the game? Yeah, that is not a uh, usually not a recipe for success. I, 
used this stat a couple of weeks ago in a story uh, that I wrote on Joe Flacco and Dwayne Brown. Never in NFL history has a team started a game with a 37-year-old quarterback and a 37-year-old tackle. So it looks like the, the Jets are going to be the first. They're going to make a little history on Sunday, assuming Dwayne Brown is okay. Now, he did show up on the injury report with his shoulder today. Um, I don't think it's major. I mean, I did see him in the locker room. I did see him, you know, at the early portion of practice. So, you know, for the Jets' sake, you hope it's not major, and hopefully we'll find out more tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a great combo. Dwayne Brown has had only a few practices. He played 21 snaps against the Giants. The offensive line is really a work in progress, and it's going to take time to gel. How much do you think they're going to rely – and now, look, we know that the running game is a big component of this offense. You see it with the Shanahan version there on the West Coast, and that kind of sets up a lot of things they like to do. But given the fact now the backup quarterback is in, do you think they'd be even a little bit more reliant – uh, in terms of Mike LaFleur and what he's going to be dialing up over the next couple of weeks? No, I don't think they're going to play scared with Joe Flacco. I mean, they know Joe, you know, I mean, the guy has seen everything. I mean, I don't think he's going to be confused by anything that's thrown at him. So I don't think they're going to have to play as if, um, you know, say Mike White was the quarterback where, you know, you'd want to, you know, insulate him more with the running game. I think they're confident in Joe's ability to throw the ball. It's just that they have to do it strategically. I think the tight ends could be a big factor in this game for two reasons. Uh, one, the Ravens gave up a ton of tight end yardage last year. Now, I know they, they had a lot of injuries on defense, so that obviously factored into it. And two, the Ravens' corners are really good, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And so you have to think the Jets might have some time, some problems winning on the perimeter. So I think guys like Tyler Conklin and uh, C.J. Uzama could have good games. And I think Joe has a good rapport with them from what I've seen in practice. You know, the funny thing about it is, though, it works the other way, too, because as you know and fans probably know, I mean, the Ravens feature their tight ends a heck of a lot in this offense, and Mark Andrews certainly is, you know, their big playmaker there. So that's something the Jets' defense is going to have to guard against. You know, when you look overall at this opponent here in Week 1, it's just, you know, this team is so well coached, and I know they have some new faces and everything, but – given the fact that starters don't play as much together, Rich, in the preseason anymore, for so many new faces, especially on that defense, this is a tough assignment right out of the gates trying to slow down Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jet fans have nightmares about what happened a couple of years ago when they had to face Lamar Jackson in that Thursday night game. Now, that was a completely different Jet defense that was completely overmatched. They had no team speed on that defense. I think this defense now has more speed, and they might be a little bit more equipped to handle, you know, Jackson. Uh, I, he's such a dynamic player. Now, he hasn't played all preseason. You know, he didn't play it all in the preseason. I mean, we talk about the Jets, guys not playing a lot, being rusty. None of Baltimore's starters, except for maybe one or two rookies, played in the preseason. So it's really an interesting experiment that they'll be throwing out. They'll be throwing out a bunch of guys who are going at it for the first time, you know, and I, and I do think that will hurt them early in the game. There's, there's definitely a rust acclimation period, no matter how good you are, even for a guy like Lamar Jackson, I think he might struggle early in the game just because he hasn't been in a game situation in a long time. I might see a lot more J.K. Dobbins, who missed all la- or most of last year there with the injury, bringing him back into the mix. They're running back, too, which you know that they like to feature there. I, when you take a step back, Rich, and you kind of outlined what you thought the expectations were going to be, let's say, right out of the gate, you know, against those four teams from the AFC North. 
How much different are your expectations now knowing that Joe Flacco is going to play the majority, if not all, of those games? Well, I mean, I knew it was going to be a rough four-game pack, no matter who the quarterback was, for the simple reason that the Jets are very young on offense at the skill positions. And they're going, they'd be going against four really good defensive teams. You know, this week, it's mostly the, the Ravens secondary that they have to be concerned about. You know, next week, you got Miles Garrett in a good Cleveland defense. You know, then you got Cincinnati and their, you know, a, you know, a Super Bowl caliber defense. And then a week after that, you know, Pittsburgh with TJ Watt and Fitzpatrick and those guys. So this was, this is going to be a rough month for the Jet offense. There's going to be growing pains. And I think Flacco, I mean, I don't want to say it becomes worse with him in there, but you're taking away the dimension of the mobility, as I said earlier, and that is huge. And so the Jet defense is going to have to be on their game early in the season. They're going to have to carry the flag through the first month of the season because until the offense finds its sea legs, so to speak. No doubt about that, and that's supposed to be the coach's calling card. Now he's got some horses to be able to execute it. We'll see how it all plays itself out here. Rich, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll uh, definitely see you out there on Sunday, but always appreciate some time, pal. Always my pleasure, Dan. Have a good one. All right, take care. There's Rich Samini, covers the Jets for ESPN. And, hey, spot on. You know, they're going to have to play a very, very good game to be able to walk off that field victorious coming up on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. More of your calls at 800-919-3776. we got to get into some Yankees in the final hour. We'll do some NFL over-unders as well. And plus, we got an update regarding the status of one Starling Marte. Dan Gross until 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Join us in celebrating the return of football with Barton Hahn live from Margaritaville in Times Square on Thursday, September the 8th. Hey, that's tomorrow. As a new NFL season kicks off, they're live from noon to three with giveaways for guests in attendance and special appearances from Hall of Famer Dan Marino, ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, and Jets great Nick Mangold. It's brought to you by DraftKings, Slomans, Dos Hombres, and Margaritaville Resort Times Square. Head to Margaritaville this football season and enjoy $20 beer buckets and $6 margaritas plus $3 off any appetizer during NFL or college games. I'm surprised they couldn't nail down Jimmy Buffett to make an appearance. Ain't that his place anyways? I mean, if Jimmy Buffett's there, I'm, I'm in. Jimmy Buffett and all the parrot heads, you kidding me? But, no, it's going to be a cool event. Definitely show up if you are in the neighborhood. It's like a national holiday. It's the start of football, man. It's where you want to be. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Um, Starling Marte, remember last night, got hit in the hand by a pitch in the game against the Pirates, was not in the lineup during uh, the game one of today's doubleheader, not in the lineup for game number two. Mets are saying that Marte, after further imaging, does indeed have a partial, non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger. Mets say he's day-to-day. I think we all would like to know how many days exactly. Because day-to-day could be any... I mean, we're all day-to-day. That's not really, you know, giving us a ton of information. We're all day-to-day. Right, Zach Wilson's day to day, even though he's not going to be playing for the next three weeks. So how long? Is, I, I would think uh, on his right middle finger. All right, so it's not his glove hand, so he doesn't have to worry about trying to get it into a glove. But he, that's his throwing hand. Is he going to be able to throw with that? 
And can he at least grip a bat? You know, if they put like some padding on it or something, could he at least tough it out and maybe grip the bat? Because, you know, maybe you could DH Starling Marte. And you'd hate to lose him in the field because he is a weapon out there defensively with his throwing arm and how much ground he covers. But, you know, look at Bryce Harper this year. Like, he hasn't played the field since, like, May, I don't think, because he's dealing with an elbow injury that might require surgery in the offseason. So even when he came back after that broken hand, he's still strictly a DH because he can't play the field, can't throw. So hopefully it's not too much time. See what happens. Um, 800-919-3776. Artie in Brooklyn, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Art, how we doing? Hey, Dan, how are you? Good, bro. As long as Buck doesn't come back and say he has to look at uh, Marte's medical records tomorrow. More imaging, the records, enough is enough with this. Yeah, and to be honest, too, I mean, I think with Wilson, I think they strategically picked the Pittsburgh game because I'm – I know it's a little conspiracy, but you're kind of thinking that that Cincinnati game is going to be as bad as as hard as the Raven game is going to be. I think that city Cincinnati game is going to be a hundred times worse. <laughs> and I would think that coming off, you would rather have Wilson coming off a loss than a win. And I don't, I psychologically, you know, what I'm saying like yeah. I don't know if if, if three and zero, right? You're not. I don't care what's going on. You're, but- you're not going to. You're not pulling Wilson back until they lose a game. And I think, realistically, if they could go one and two, I think you put you bring Wilson with the Pittsburgh game. But at two and one, listen, they, they, Wilson just has to show that he could play. He doesn't have to, like, sit there and go nuts for eight games. I just want him to, to show a lot more than he's shown so far. Have you seen anything in spring training, in uh, preseason and in practice, that has that's convinced you that he's worth the second pick? I haven't. Well, no, I mean, you're not going to art. You're never going to see anything in in training camp or in preseason. You're you're basing it just on what we saw last year when the games counted. But no, if you're asking me, have I seen anything from Zach Wilson? You know, in his rookie season last year, to where oh, that guy is worthy of being the second pick in the draft? No, of course not. He he took a lot of lumps last year. And and, and you know, there's a lot of criticisms on on the other side with the Giants, but at least. At least Jones has shown games, and that's all I want to see. I want to see like a 350-yard game with no interceptions. So far, he's, he hasn't shown that. He's shown that, like, his durability, the, the criticisms of making that pick. He's shown that beautiful arm with, uh, with, uh, against Tennessee. But then he's gotten hurt. He's making bad decisions. And quite honestly, they drafted him over fields because of his accuracy. And I didn't see it all last year, his act. He was missing guys in the flat all year long. Right, the short passes. Right, thanks. The short yeah, passes. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the call, buddy. Art, be good. Appreciate you. Um, that Cincinnati game is going to be tough, too. I mean, Cincinnati's going to be out for blood that day. Because remember, the Beng- and look, maybe the Bengals didn't remember it because they went to the Super Bowl. I still think things turned out okay for them when all was said and done. But how many weeks did they have to hear about Mike White? Mike White this, Mike White that. Mike White was like the toast of the NFL for a couple of weeks. And, and it was at the Bengals' expense. You know, and that, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That was one of the reasons why, as the Bengals – and remember, the Bengals didn't blow anybody out in the playoffs. Right? They were just like good, hard-fought victories. But, like, each step they took, I, I kind of doubted them, and I wasn't necessarily all in on them. Why? Because in the back of my mind, I kept saying, well, this is the same Bengals team that came up here and laid an egg against Mike White. 
right? You know, it's funny. I was talking to C.J. Uzama a couple of days ago, and, and I didn't ask him about that. I, 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 was, I asked him a lot of other things, but I, I never thought of that game last year, the Mike White game. I was talking to him more about the Super Bowl and that whole experience and what that was like. And remember, because C.J. was injured. He wasn't 100%. He, he had a knee injury a few weeks before that, and they said he was done. And he fought like hell to get back just to play in that Super Bowl game. So we were talking about that. You'll hear my conversation with C.J. Uzama, by the way, also on the pregame show this Sunday, um, beginning at 11 o'clock with Greg Buttle and a cast of thousands and myself. We come back, more calls, little Yankees, and some NFL over-unders, too, over the final 60 minutes. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 